Welcome to Fundamentals of the Faith, which is a 13-part class to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what this class is called. And um, what I want to do today is just kind of introduce it, and then we'll get into the first lesson. Um, and and so to start it off, there's a there's a bit of a commitment. You guys know you ordered books for this these classes. Um, you know, if anyone doesn't want to commit, I, like I said earlier this morning, you guys are anyone's welcome to come, even if you can only make it one time here or there. If um, if you find it profitable for you, that's fine. You're welcome to come, but you'll get the most out of this if you make a little bit of a commitment to to do a little bit of work, kind of week in and week out. Um, and we only actually meet every second week, or even twice a month, actually. So you should, I think you'll have lots of time to do this, and you'll find that it's not too big of a burden. But but this set of lessons is divided out into 13 lessons, and we're going to kind of go through it fairly slowly, but but not as in-depth as maybe we could. And... and um, what it's meant to be is really like an overview of the Christian faith. And so 13 lessons, we're going to try to do it in a, in about 24 sessions and cover these lessons. Sometimes we'll, we'll go deeper into a certain lesson, but I, I really, I don't want to use the word shallow, but I, I really want to just try to keep it an overview. My, my tendency would be to like, let's spend like 10 weeks on the doctrine of, of the Bible or something. And I really don't want to do that. I want to just kind of give you an overview of the topics. So I'm really hoping that we can be done this whole series kind of one time through in, in about 24 sessions, maybe, maybe hopefully finishing up when this whole thing ends in the summer. So we'll see how it goes. I, I don't, I'm not making any promises about what I'll do or not do. And, and honestly, it's probably going to be like the Sunday before or the Sunday of that I kind of have time to prepare these lessons. Um, but that's my goal is to kind of keep it, keep it as an introduction to the fundamentals, kind of an overview of Christianity and to be done everything by the summer. So that's kind of the, the commitment that, that we're looking for. And the expectations then, if you're going to kind of commit to the thing is, First of all, purchase a book. So you've already signed up for that. I did order uh, about five extra books, and uh, they should be here. Uh, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure when they're going to be here. If if I have to, I, I'll just print these off for you every time. But eventually, if you ordered a book, you will get a book. And uh, the books cost $13 each. That includes shipping and everything. We got a really good deal from um, Grace to You Canada. And just like always with books, if if you just give it to the church, um, that covers it. So just kind of in your normal giving, or if you want to give a little bit extra to cover the cost of the book, the books cost the church thirteen dollars. And uh, I'm, I don't follow up with you if you can't afford that. It's it's fine. The church has money for that. If you do have money, you want to give extra. Um, thirteen dollars a book is what it cost us. So I don't worry about that. Um, and then, and then what, what you do in the class as, as you kind of go through week by week into these lessons, you'll see that there's fill in the blanks. Um, here we go. So, you know, if you, if you look at the handout that you have, or if you look at the, the first page of your book, page eight, there's kind of these, these fill in the blanks. And it's just, 
it kind of asks you questions and you kind of go through and you study it yourself and you write them in. And, um, and so that's kind of the way it works. There's, there's these fill in the blanks and you'll, you'll notice that the pages rip out. And, and the idea with the pages ripping out is that you actually end up handing those in. So when you come back next time, you'll hand in this lesson with all the blanks done. And I'll, I'll mark it for you. Now it's not like this crazy, like, marking thing that you're gonna get a bunch wrong or something, but I'll correct it if it's wrong, so that in the end, you have a, a completed booklet, and, uh, and you'll have the right answers in the book, so this can be something that you refer back to kind of going on. And so what, what they kind of recommend is that you get a, um, I think, oh, maybe I don't have it there. I thought I had, what, anyway, some, at some point in these slide notes, it's gonna say that you might want a one inch binder. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna mark them, correct them, hole punch them, and give them back to you, and then you can put them in a binder. And, um, every once in a while, I might even give you, like, some extra kind of handouts as we go through. And uh, at the end, you'll have this little book that you can refer to of the fundamentals of each kind of section of theology. So, it is meant to be an interactive class, so I want I want questions. I want you to to stop me at times and just be like, "Hey, I don't understand that," or "Can we go deeper into that?" Uh, I will give opportunities for you to ask questions, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make it as interactive as I can. And so, uh, participation in class is highly encouraged. The other thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna memorize. Scripture. So for each of the 13 lessons, there's a scripture memory verse. And if you have your book there on page seven, lesson one, right at the beginning, on the uh, left hand side in the middle, it says memorize second Timothy 316. And so you're going to go ahead and memorize that. Now these, like I thought, yeah, so th- the scriptures in the book are in the New American Standard version of the Bible. I, I would, if I was, if I was you, I would memorize it in the ESV version and I would not take it from here, but it's, you can memorize it in whatever version you want. Um, but, but I just, I want you to know what you see here is in the new American standard Bible version. So if you usually read the ESV, I would recommend that you go ahead and, and, and get an ESV version of that verse and, and memorize it that way. So I told you, so don't, don't, next time we come back, we're gonna go and we're gonna, we're gonna do our memory verse. We're gonna do it in ESV. Don't be like, what's going on? I, this is different. So I told you it's different. So, um, so you've been warned. Okay. So that's kind of, that's kind of expectations really for you. Um, remember, bring your Bible, bring a pen. Bring your, your homework every week. You bring your homework up here, hand it in, and then I'll, I'll get it back to you the, the time after that. So expectations for me, I'm going to come every time with uh, lessons from the Bible, and we're going to go through each of these topics kind of one by one, thing by thing. Um, again, I want it to be discussion-oriented, so I'm going to try to ask questions and kind of um, give you opportunity to share. And with that, don't don't be shy on the sharing. I know it's it's like... Maybe for some people it's a little bit scary to, to say something in here. Um, but you've kind of done this with me before. I don't, I don't typically, uh, yell at you if you get something wrong. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, 
I'll, I'll correct your heretical comments, but I'll try not to embarrass you about them. You know, like, so, um, just, just, just be, just like, you know, it's for everyone's edification if we, if we share, if we talk, if it's not just listening to me the whole time. So we'll try to get that going and I'll, I'll ask questions that time. And, and, and I'm, I'm eager to answer your questions. So this is going to be your opportunity on every subject of scripture to kind of bring your questions. And so when you go through your homework, if you have a question, if you're like, what, what about this? What about that? This is your opportunity to, to write those questions down and come to class next time and say, okay, I was doing the study on the Bible and I don't understand what this means. Can you, can you explain that? And I'll, I'll be happy to explain it. And if I don't know, I'll do my best to find out and come back to you either privately or, um, or for the next class so that everyone can hear the things. Okay. So that's kind of what, what you can expect from me. Uh, again, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not mean. I'm not, I'm not scary. I'm really nice. Uh, and you can, you can share and it, it won't, it won't be too embarrassing. Um, it's, it's, it's way more embarrassing for me because I'm like, I'm up here. Everyone's looking at me. They can't even really see you if you talk from there. So that's kind of your expectations. Here's what we're going to go through. Here's the lessons, these 13 lessons that we have. Tonight is introduction and just, just touching on the Bible. So lesson one is the Bible. Lesson two, how to know the Bible. So there's two lessons that focus on the Bible. Um, and, and with that, we're gonna, we're gonna go through a little bit, almost like an overview of the Old Testament and the New Testament and kind of introduce like what's, what is the Bible? We'll talk about that, but also like what's, what's in the Bible? What is it, what is it talking about? Um, lesson three, God, his character and attributes. Lesson four, we're gonna talk about the person of Jesus Christ. Lesson five, the work of Christ, the, the, the gospel and salvation. So we'll talk about that. Uh, lesson six is, is actually even more focused on salvation. So lesson five is going to be the atonement. Lesson six, salvation. Lesson seven, the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Lesson eight, prayer and the believer. Lesson nine, the church, fellowship and worship. Ten is spiritual gifts. We'll talk about that. Eleven, evangelism in the believer. Twelve is a lesson on obedience, I think kind of growth in the Christian life, 13, God's will and guidance. So that's kind of where we're going. It's, it's, it's like an overview of the Christian faith and it's really designed to be an introductory thing. What, what they use this for at Grace Community Church where MacArthur is the pastor is if somebody's joining the church in, let's say joining the church in membership and the person who's who's kind of doing that membership interview is just like, you know, I'm I'm really not sure if this person's a, a believer or not. I'm I'm just really not sure where they're at. Maybe they they don't really know how to explain the gospel or something like that. Well, they say, okay, well, do an FOF class, do a fundamentals of the faith class, and and in that class, they're now going to teach this person what Christianity is. It's kind of like an introduction to Christianity for somebody like that, and uh, it really covers everything that. I th- the way that I think of it is it covers everything that, that John MacArthur thinks that you should know if you're going to be part of his church. That's kind of how I, I feel like this, these classes are. But it, it, again, it, you know, we're looking at the doctrine of God, salvation, and kind of like life in the church, life of the believer. And, um, and so it's, it's, it's like a, 
a simpler version of of like a Bible college theology is kind of is kind of what it is. It's it's almost like a a layman's theology, really practical for how to live the Christian life in the midst of the church. And so that's that's what we're going to be covering over these next 24 um, lessons or whatever, 24 sessions together. So again, what you're going to do is you've got your workbook or you will get them. Again, they, they've, they've shipped, I think they've, they've probably shipped by now from the, the United States. They go to they go to Quebec and then they come back this way. But you've, you've got your workbook and, and every week or every, every time we get into a new lesson, you're going to kind of work through that lesson, fill in the blanks and then rip it out of the page. They're all perforated pages. And then you're going to bring that in. And, and, and with that, you're going to bring your questions. You're going to memorize the scripture passage for each lesson. So memorize this week would be 2 Timothy 3.16. So that's, that's not even just this week, but you have until, you know, you have a couple of weeks to do that. Maybe even if we do, if we do three or four lessons on this, you've got, um, six or eight weeks to memorize that verse. That's lots and lots of time to, to memorize a verse. In fact, I would be a little surprised if most of you don't already have 2 Timothy 3.16 memorized. So, um, then you're going to, again, bring your questions that you have from the workbook, bring those to class, prepare to answer those. And then again, you're going to hand the, your, your workbooks in. I'm going to mark them. I'm going to write on them and uh, return it to you. And then you can put it in a, a binder if you want. Now, also with these lessons, there is uh, a sermon that sort of goes with the lesson uh, by John MacArthur. And, and you'll kind of see that if you listen to those. They, they, they're like kind of at least touching on the area of the, of the lesson, not always exactly. Um, but that's kind of an optional thing if you want, if you want to listen to those sermons. I, I've got the, um, in fact, if you look on your, on your booklet here, right up at the top, it says, along with this workbook, you will need a Bible and a journal or notebook for personal notes from the messages you will hear. Then it says, download message one, our God-breathed Bible from www.gty.org slash FOF. And so if you want, it's right there. If you want to, I have the links for you and I'll kind of put those maybe on our church group once in a while when it's kind of time to listen to that one. But that's again, that's just optional if you want to. Um, I, I think, I think it'd be helpful if you do that, but not, not necessarily necessary. So again, what is this class all about? What, what are the goals of this class? Well, here's what John says. And I think that's right in your fundamentals on page six. I say it, it's from here. It says FOF is the outgrowth of the belief that the essence of Christianity is truth. Truth about God the Father, Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Truth about man's sin and God's plan of salvation, and truth about God's revealed will for the church and our individual lives. What you believe matters. It matters eternally. Wrong beliefs about God lead people to hell. Matthew 22, Matthew 7, 22 to 23. Christianity is a faith anchored on the truths in the Bible, which is God's only inspired written revelation. And so this whole thing is just about really getting the truth into, into our minds. We're, we're trying to 
We're trying to proclaim the truth about God, about Christ, about the Holy Spirit, about how we're to live our lives. And, and that's really the goal of this class is to, to kind of get the truth out there about each of these things that we're going to talk about, each of these 13 lessons. And the goal of, of this whole thing is really, first and foremost, that, that you would have assurance of eternal life, that you would know that you have eternal life. And, and to do that, to see that, I want you to go to 1 John chapter 5. This is what, this is what FOF is intended to do for us, is first of all to, to give us this assurance of eternal life. And John says in, in 1 John 5, 11 to 13, This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And so part of the the reason that we're doing this class is just so that we can all grow in the assurance that we have the Son, and if we have the Son, we have eternal life. And John says here that we can know that we have it. And so one of the goals of this class is just to to help you in the area of assurance. If you're not sure if you're a believer or not, then this class is really for you. If you're if you're not even sure what what Christianity is, then this class is for you. But even if you are a Christian, going through these things is going to help you to grow in the assurance of that salvation. So that's kind of goal number one. Goal number two is to be equipped for ministry. And, uh, and that's from Ephesians. Let's start, let's go to Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. This is actually the passage that I preached in Presbyter. I, I actually preached Ephesians kind of, I don't even know if I, if you call it preaching, but I, I, I talked through Ephesians 4, 1 to 16 for the church in Presbyter. And I, I think I'll, I'll kind of edit that one day and bring it, bring it for you guys as well. I, th- I think it's a really important section of scripture, but Ephesians 4, 11, says there, he gave the apostles, this is the Lord Jesus Christ, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And the idea here is that, that Christ has given people to his church and, and really starting with the apostles and prophets, those are the ones who wrote the scripture. We're going to talk about that in lesson one about where we get scripture from. But the apostles and the prophets have, have written scripture for us and then, and then there's no, they're no longer in the church. We don't have apostles and prophets today. But he also gave the evangelists and the shepherds and teachers and, and these are people whose ministry it is, according to verse 12, is to equip the saints. So my job in the church is to equip you for the work of ministry. 
So Christ gave me, a shepherd teacher, pastor teacher, to equip you so that, that you would do the work of ministry. And, and as, as you do the work of ministry and I do the equipping, as we all kind of use our spiritual gifts like we talked about even this morning, that all together, me equipping and, and you doing the work of ministry is for the building up of the body of Christ until we're all I like to say it until we're all utterly like Christ, right? Until, until we're all made like Christ, until we're mature. And then he says later in verse 14, so that we'd no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. So the, the goal of this whole thing is that we would be equipped with sound doctrine so that, so that we're not kind of like swayed by false teaching, but so that we understand the truth and, 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 and understanding the truth, it says in verse 15 that we're going to now speak it to one another in love. And as we do that, and every, every verse 16 is really complex, but as every person in the body is kind of doing their part and, and working together, that whole thing again builds up the body of Christ so that we're again growing into the head, as, as, as Paul says it there in verse 16, or, or actually that's verse 15, we're, we're growing into Christ. And so the goal of this class is really to kind of hit us with, with some basic sound doctrine to equip us so that we have the knowledge to do the work of ministry and, and kind of begin to build one another up so that, so that we can grow to be Christ-like. So assurance of eternal life, Secondly, to, to become equipped for ministry. And then thirdly, one of the goals of this class is just simply that we would know God more deeply. And to, for a verse for that, let's go to Exodus chapter 33. I wrote down 13 to 18. Let's just, let's just see here. Um, Moses is speaking in verse 13. He says, now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, and he's, he's talking to the Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. So Moses wants the Lord to show him his ways that he might know him in order that he could be pleasing to him. And then he says, consider too that, that this nation is your people. And, and, uh, and the, what Moses is praying here, God's kind of said he's going to withdraw. Moses says, no, Lord, like if I found favor in your sight, I want to know your ways. Then he says, just if you just kind of skip over to verse 18, uh, Moses says to the Lord there, please show me your glory. And then God answers him, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I show mercy. But Moses here is, is, is got this great prayer that he would know the Lord's ways and that the Lord would show him his glory and, and and what the glory ends up being as we kind of, if you kind of go in this passage, verse 19, and if you go to 34, um, 
verse 6 and, and onwards, the glory of the Lord is really his name, it's who he is, and it's, it's, it's his attributes. And so one of the goals of this study is just that we would, we would understand God and his ways and that we would understand who he is, that we would come to know his attributes in a, in a greater way. We'll, we'll, we'll come to understand his salvation in a greater way. And so we should grow to, to know God more deeply through this study. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the goal of this class. And, and I think that's probably, um, good for now. So any, any questions about anything, uh, that, that we've kind of presented so far? Any questions about the class, how to do it, what, what we're called to do, about expectations, about where we're going? That's great. It's perfectly clear then. Oh, I got one question. Who has to memorize verses? Well, first of all, Drake, and then secondly, Kyron. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you, you can memorize them. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make any of you guys in the first row memorize your verses. It's just, it's, it's really, it's, it's optional. I know some of the ladies in ladies ministry, you have a lot going on already and it might be just too much. Um, so I think it'd be great. I'm going to, I'm going to try to memorize the verses. So I'm going to be right there with you on the memorization. So I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, read it out from here by memory. So I'll have to be a little bit prepared for that. So, so anyways, whoever wants to can memorize the verses, but that's a great question. And you could do it. You, I bet you you could memorize them. It's only 13 verses. Yeah, this, the other guys in the front row said they memorized more than that. So, yeah, okay. You, well, you should do it then, okay? <laughs> you got to hold him to that now, Kevin, right? He says he can do it. So, yeah, all right. Second Timothy 3.16, that's the first one. Any other questions about this class and what we're doing and what the goals are? And Okay, great. Well, lesson one is called Introduction to the Bible. And so we are just introducing the Bible like you've, you've kind of never heard of it before. And we, we want to start really even at the beginning... And that is with Genesis 1-1. So let's, let's go and, and look at the very first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1-1. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so in the very beginning, God is the creator. And, and what we're seeing here is that, that he has revealed himself to Moses so that Moses knows that that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And what this tells us then what we can kind of extrapolate from this is that God is a God that that can be known. In uh, John 17 and verse 3 let's and you can you can turn with me or you you don't have to whatever 
whatever you want. It's, it's up to you here. But in John 17, verse 3, Jesus says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so Jesus, the Son of God, and we're going to talk about who he is in this class, but Jesus, the Son of God, says that that people can know the only true God. People can know him through Jesus Christ, whom God sent. And so God is a God that can be known. So we can we can come to know him, and this is what it is to have eternal life, is to know and, and in an in intimate kind of relational way to know God. Now we're going to look at, I've also got Romans on the screen as well. We're going to look at Romans 1 a, a little bit later on, but God is a God that can be known, and he is the God who created the heavens of, and the earth, and he's the God who sent Jesus Christ. And And God has revealed himself to mankind. And so God, not only can God be known, but he has, he has made himself known. And we can see that just from the book of, of Hebrews, uh, and, and chapter one and verse one. So book of Hebrews, first couple of verses there, it says, it says long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And so God has spoken, and he has spoken to the, the fathers, the, the Hebrew, the, the fathers of the Hebrews, he's spoken to Israel by the prophets, and he's spoken again through his son, Jesus Christ. And so God is a God who has made himself known. He has spoken so that we could come to know him. So not only is God knowable, but he's also made himself known. He's revealed himself to his creation. And so God is a God that we can know and, and he has, he has shown himself to us so that we can know him. God, God wants us to know him. Now, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. See, I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk too deep. We're just going to kind of keep it right there. Um, but there's, there's two different ways that God has revealed himself to us. The first way is what we call general revelation. General revelation. Does anyone know what, what is general revelation? No? Okay. General revelation. That's, you know, and, and I, it's, to be fair, you haven't even read the book yet, right? So maybe you're supposed to have read the book already by this point, but what is general revelation? Uh, well, let's just start with this. What is revelation? What is revelation in general? So revelation is an uncovering or a, a making seen or making known something that was maybe once unseen or once unknown, right? That's what, if I, if I reveal something, I'm, I'm showing you something. I'm, I'm uncovering something. Something was hidden and now it's known. Well, well, God is invisible, right? He, we can't see him. 
And so for us to come to know God, he has to reveal himself to us, right? We can't know God by our own ingenuity or by our own intelligence or anything like that. He has to reveal himself to us. And so God has revealed himself and he's revealed himself in, in two ways. And the first way is what we call general revelation. And here's like a, a theological definition of it. General revelation is a, the disclosure of God in nature and the constitution of man whereby all people gain an introductory knowledge of God. So that's what we're talking about when we talk about general revelation, that God has revealed himself, and he's revealed himself kind of through two things when we're talking about general revelation. He's revealed himself in nature, and he's revealed himself in the constitution of man. So what does that mean? So let's start with the first one. God has revealed himself in nature. The general revelation, again, is the disclosure of God in nature, whereby all people, and that's important there, all people gain an introductory knowledge of God. So God has revealed himself so that we could know him, and this general revelation is an introductory kind of knowledge of God that we can get. And and we can start with this in Romans chapter 1. So let's go to Romans chapter 1, and let's start to look at this general revelation. And I think that's even on the screen for you. Yeah, so Romans 1, verses 18 and following, really. So it says there, let's just read it. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creepy thing and creeping things. So notice here that we're talking about men and, and men are suppressing the truth. They, they know something, but they're, they're suppressing it. And what are they suppressing in verse, starting in verse 19? They're, they're suppressing what can be known about God. And what can be known about God is, according to the author here, and, and really according to God and his word, what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. So what, is, what has God shown? Well, it says his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. And maybe a simple way to to put this for us is that whenever you see a, well, let's start with this. If Whenever you see a a building, right, you know that, that there was a builder. Or whenever you see a watch, you know that there was a watchmaker, right? The other day, one of our friends from Edmonton was here and they, she's a, a watchmaker fixer and she kind of 
opened up one of these watches that I have with, with, uh, it's an automatic watch that's got all kinds of gears and stuff in there. And she kind of, it would just terrify me just to even open that thing because there's so many little tiny parts. And, um, but when you see something like that, you know that, that, wow, like somebody put that thing together in a special way. And in the same way with a, with a creation, when you see a creation, you know that there's, there's gotta be a creator. And so when we look at the world, when we look at the things that have been made, we can clearly perceive that they were made by a creator. And, and what we can tell about this creator is that, that he is powerful, that he has eternal power even. I, I know my lines aren't really helpful on here. Um, and that he is of a divine nature. So when you, when you see a painting, you know that there was a painter. And when you see a creation, you know that there was a creator. And this knowledge that comes from the things that are made makes men without excuse. Because, again, it says in verse 21, although they knew God. See, what the, this, this revelation that we get from creation is enough for us to know that we should honor him as God. That, that he is this, this powerful creator this, this divine being that has created everything and we should honor him and give thanks to him. But instead of doing that, men, men don't do that. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. But what we can see then again, just from looking at creation is we can see that there is a God and we can come to know him in this kind of introductory way that we're talking about when we're talking about general revelation. And so let's go to another verse here. General revelation, again, is the disclosure of God in nature. God is revealing himself in nature. And all people through this revelation gain an introductory knowledge of God. And I want to take you to just a really great passage here. And it's Psalm 19. So go in your Bible, turn in your Bible to Psalm 19. And I think I, that's going to be on the screen too. Awesome. Okay, Psalm Psalm 19. Psalm 19 actually has both forms of revelation. We're, we're going to see general revelation, and we're also going to see the other kind of revelation in Psalm 19. But verses 1 to 6 start with general revelation. It says, To the choir master, I don't have that on the screen, but to the choir master, a psalm of David. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Let's see if we can, can make this uh, a little bit interactive. Um, according to these verses, what's, what's declaring the glory of God? The heavens, somebody kind of shyly said, okay, the heavens, okay? And, and, and who hears this or sees this in the heavens? 
Yeah, all the earth. Great. All the earth is, is hearing the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaims. These are, these are, um, verbs of speaking, right? The heavens declare, the sky proclaims. And what's happening here is there's a, a sermon going out. There's a, there's a sermon that's, that's going out. And it's going out to all the earth, and it doesn't matter what language you speak. You can, you can hear this sermon. You can understand this sermon if you look at the heavens and you, you can see that this, these amazing heavens and this sky is, is giving me a message about the glory of God. It's a, it's a message about the, the greatness of this being who's created this world. And there's no speech or no words where the voice of this isn't heard. This, this sermon goes throughout all the earth, verse four, and the words of this message go to the ends of the world. And then there's this kind of a picture of, of the sun and the sun kind of goes around the whole world like a, a bridegroom leaving his chamber. There's this kind of like, I don't, I don't, kind of like the sun is, is kind of envisioned as like strutting out of his chamber, like a strong man. It runs its course. It doesn't get, doesn't get tired. And it goes from one end of the heavens to the other end. And, and nothing is hidden from its heat. So it's like the sun now is, is in this sky preaching this sermon. And everywhere it goes, you can feel the heat of the sun. Everywhere it, the sun goes, this sermon is heard. And so there's, there's this, knowledge of of God's glory and and his handiwork is seen through what we call again general revelation any any questions about those verses that are you seeing that is that is that pretty pretty clear for you see everyone everyone can can listen to this sermon that God has given God has shown himself to everyone through nature. And, and you know, another way that, that we maybe see this, and I, I've kind of seen this even divided into three parts of general revelation. Um, but, but I, I, I would put this under, under creation as well. But, you know, maybe an, another way we could think about this is creation and providence. God also reveals himself through the way that he controls everything that happens in the world. And so in Matthew 5, verses 44 and 45, Jesus says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So Jesus wants us to love our enemies. He wants us to pray for those who persecute us. And the reason for that is that we might be just like God and God sends his son and he, he allows the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And, and so again, these are things that come from creation. And from this, we can we can see something about God, right? We can see the goodness of God just from the way that creation is designed. The way that God has organized and, and, and established these, these patterns of, of sun and rain and, and it's on the good and, and the, the not so good. Uh, it shows us the goodness 
of God and, and Jesus wants us to be like God in that way. And so from, from the, the work of providence that happens in the world, from God's control of the world, we can also see who he is. But remember our, our definition again of general revelation. It's the disclosure of God in nature and kind of secondly under this category in the constitution of man whereby all people gain an introductory knowledge of God. So what do we mean here by the the constitution of man? I want you to go to Revelation, or Revelation, go to Romans, go to Romans chapter 2. Verses 14 and 15, Paul says here, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature... Do what the law requires. They are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. So what Paul's saying here is, is the, the Gentiles, the, the world outside of Israel, didn't have the law. They didn't have the law of Moses. But... They still knew right from wrong, right? The, 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 the world knows right from wrong. They have a thing, every one of us has a thing called a conscience. Now sometimes that, that conscience might be seared, but even, even without the written law of God, people know what is right and what is wrong because we've been made, and I, I would say that the reason for this is that we've been made in the image of God. And because we've been made in the image of God, we, we have this moral compass that's built into us that, that tells us what's right and wrong. And so when we do something wrong, we have these uh, conflicting thoughts that accuse us. And when we do things that are right, we have, um, we can maybe even, even Paul kind of puts it like an even, like even sometimes it might even excuse them. In, in other words, sometimes we don't always do what's wrong. And so we know that something's right, but we've got this conscience that's built into us and it, it points us to this lawgiver who has created us in his image. You know, it, it, it makes absolutely no sense that everyone in the world has a conscience like this if we came from evolution, right? There's no reason why we would have this conscience if it wasn't because God has created us. And so God has given us this internal mechanism by which we can recognize him because we've all been made with this conscience. And so we know right from wrong, maybe not perfectly, but we know right from wrong. And it's just kind of like built into our nature. And so that's, that's really all I want to say about that. But we, so, so we see from creation and we see from even the way that we were created with this moral compass We see a little bit about who God is. Now, what should be, what would you say? What sh- let's go back to Romans chapter one. We actually were just basically there, right? We're in, we were just in Romans two. But if you're in Romans chapter one, what should have been the, the response of man to this general revelation that we see in creation? How should man have responded?
Content. Yeah, we should have been content. What else would you say about how we should have responded to creation? What did Romans 1 say about that? To acknowledge that there's a God. Yeah, and what should we have done when we acknowledged that there was a God? I, yeah, worship him. Okay, great. Yeah, worship him. Honor him. Um, I think it says in there, give thanks to him. There, there's a few responses that we should have had. You know, I, I like the song that we sometimes sing. It's, uh, oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. That, that's really, that should have been the, the response of man when they, when we see creation is to sing to him, to worship him, to, to honor him. But we don't, we don't see that. Instead, what we see is what we saw in Romans chapter one, that men suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And so general revelation has some purposes. It, 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 it glorifies God, right? We saw that in, in Psalm 19 verse one, the heavens declare the glory of God. General revelation is a, a witness that, that God exists, that it's a witness of his reality and, and goodness. And I'm, I'm pointing us to Acts 14. Um, let me just see if. See if I can find where the book of Acts is in my Bible here. There we go. Acts 14. It says, yet, this is, I believe, Paul speaking here. Paul speaking, verse 17. He says, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. And so it's a witness that, just like we, like I was trying to explain from Matthew chapter 5, 44 and 45 there, that the, the goodness of God is seen from creation because He gives us rain and, and fruitful seasons. He, He cares for us by providing us with food and, and even satisfying our hearts with gladness, satisfying us with the good things that He gives us in this world. And so general revelation shows us the, the goodness of God, the reality of God, it shows us his power and divine nature. We saw that in Romans 1. It's a, a witness to God's moral righteousness. So when we see that we've been made with a moral compass, we, we can tell that we can extrapolate that God must be a, a holy God, that he must be a righteous God for him to have created us with this sense of right and wrong. And um, according to Acts 17, 24 to 27, the, the general revelation is also there that in the, in almost in the hopes that we might seek after God, that we might, that we might turn to Him. But like we already said, men don't typically sing, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. Typically, they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And we'll talk about that when we get to talking about men and stuff. But, but general revelation kind of does all of those things. But there's something that it, it, doesn't do, there's something that it's incapable of doing. And so I ask here, what is general revelation incapable of doing? And it's in, incapable, it, it doesn't show us 
the way of salvation through Jesus Christ. You can't look at creation and say, oh, there must be a a son of God named Jesus Christ who came to pay the penalty for our sin and, and, and make a way for us to be reconciled to God. And so you, you're, you're not able to, to tell that through general revelation. And so it's, it, it's enough to make us, according to Romans 1, without excuse, but it's not enough to show us the, the way of salvation. And so for that, we need special revelation. And so what would you say, what, what is special revelation going to be? Anyone want to give me one of the, Give me one there. Special revelation. What, what do you think it's, it's going to be? We've looked at general revelation. The gospel. Good. Yeah. What, what else? How else would you maybe put it? Where do we find the gospel? The, the Bible. I heard somebody say, that's great. Oh, is that what you were going to say? Oh, you said it. Oh, you're the guy. Okay. Yeah. Make sure you get the credit for that one. I, was, I thought it was somebody up here. That's good. Um, the Bible, you're right. Special revelation is the Bible. Here's a, a, a technical definition. Special revelation is God's personal disclosure of himself to us through the living and written word so that we might come to know him in salvation and glorify him through our lives. So it's a, a more personal kind of disclosure. God is himself revealing himself, maybe maybe we could say more directly through the living and the written word. The written word is the Bible. What's the living word talking about? Who's living? Christ, right? He's alive. He rose from the dead. He's the living word. And he, is, he shows us who God is um, and the way of salvation so that we can glorify him with our lives. Now, this is kind of an introduction to special revelation from our, our what we teach statement of faith. It says, we teach that the Bible is God's written revelation to man, and thus the 66 books of the Bible given to us by the Holy Spirit constitute the plenary, inspired equally in parts, kind of plenary is the idea of the whole, it inspired, so constitute the plenary word of God. We teach that the Word of God is an objective, propositional revelation, verbally inspired in every word, absolutely inerrant in the original documents, infallible, and God-breathed. Now, when we are done talking about special revelation and the Bible, you're going to know what all of that was talking about, okay? So we're going to kind of go through that little bit by little bit, but the Bible is written revelation to man and the whole of the bible is is inspired the 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 entire part equally in all the parts it's the word of god we call it verbally inspired meaning that every word is inspired and because it's inspired it's also without error it's inerrant uh, it's infallible it's not capable of leading us astray and it's God breathed. But again, we'll, we'll talk about that, but that's from what we teach. Now let's go back to Hebrews. We were, we saw it earlier, Hebrews 1 1. It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by 
the prophets. So God has spoken to the fathers by the prophets, and and they're the ones who wrote the Old Testament for us. But now the author of Hebrews says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And so what we see here is, is special revelation. God has spoken through these prophets and, and they wrote down the words of God in scripture. And now he's spoken to us again through his son. And, and that would include also the New Testament that we have through the Son. And so special revelation, kind of notice how it says there long ago at many times and in many ways. What are some of the ways that, that God spoke in the Old Testament? Through the prophets. Yeah, that's, so that's one way, right? The, and the prophets wrote down the, the books of the Old Testament. So he spoke to us through the prophets. Now, what, what are some of the other ways that the prophets received revelation from God? Dreams, angels, I heard, maybe. Yeah, what else? Burning bush, yeah. Burning bush, that's, uh, that's called a theophany, a, a visible presentation of God through through some kind of a visible means. What what other ways did did God speak? On top of the on top of the mountain. Yeah, there's the direct voice of God that was heard on Mount Sinai. That would have been scary. The the people were so scared they said never never talk to us like that again. Send us uh, Moses is not so bad after all. Um so great. What what else what else did we see? Let, so I've got miracles and signs. Numbers 22, 18, or 20, 22, 28. I didn't look that up. I would, I'm, I'm going to guess that that's Miriam getting leprous, but I don't know for sure. Numbers 22. You can look that up. Dreams and visions, Daniel 2, 19, theophanies, appearances of God. There's, there seems to be these, uh, you know, cloud of, of fire or cloud of fire. Pillar of cloud by the day, fire by night. Whatever you, you know what I'm talking about. Those that would be an example of a theophany. Um, the uh, commander of the armies of Yahweh who shows up and uh, and speaks to Joshua. That that would be a theophany, an example. There's there's times where where God appears almost even in human form. He he meets with um, he meets with Abraham before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you read that passage really carefully, there's, there's two angels that are, appear like men. And there's like a third man there that would seem to be almost like a pre-incarnate, um, I want to say version of Christ, but some, somehow that's, that's actually sounds a little bit heretical, but there's a, there's a, uh, you know, Christ appears in some kind of human form, it would seem, and speaks to Abraham and, and, and Abraham prays to him. And then Yahweh from heaven destroys Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, theophanies, um, God spoke through prophets like Moses, Deuteronomy 18, 18. And then he spoke to us finally through his son, through Jesus Christ, who is like the, the final prophet, and according to Hebrews, since I'm here already in chapter 1 and verse 3, just after the verses that we read there, it says, He, the Son, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, 
and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So Jesus is the ultimate demonstration of God. He's the ultimate revelation of God. He shows us what God is like, and and he even shows us it in human form because he takes on the nature of a man. And we'll talk about that when we get to Christ. But also, um, God has revealed himself in the written word, the Bible. And that's what we see in Psalm 19. So go back to Psalm 19. Remember we saw verses 1 to 6, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above his handiwork. Well, after that, David goes on in verse 7 to talk about special revelation. So David talks about general revelation, and then he goes to special revelation, and and he he really amplifies what he says about it, and he he really says some amazing things about, about this special revelation. He says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. And in keeping them there is great reward. And so what we see here is, um, I want to say seven, I didn't, I didn't count this out, but the law, the testimony, the precepts, the commandment, the fear, the rules, um, one, two, three, four, five, I'm coming up with six right now. Um, so I guess there's I feel like there should be seven here, but but I don't know. Anyways, you see, the, these are all synonyms for the word of God. The law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the rules of the Lord. All of these are are speaking about the word of God. And what, what it says about the word is really amazing. It, it This is what the word is. It's perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. And here's what the Word of God does. It revives the soul. It makes wise the simple. It rejoices the heart. It enlightens the eyes. It, it endures forever. It's, it's righteous altogether. And because of that, the, this Word of God is more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold. It's, it's, it's worth more really than, than anything in this world, this, this word of God. It's sweeter than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb because by them we are warned and, and if we keep them, there is great reward. Again, a reward that would be greater than than much fine gold. And so the, the word of God is to be valued by us because it's the way that God is revealed to us. This is how we can come to know God because he has revealed himself to us through his word. And if we heed that word, it, it makes wise the simple. It, it gives joy to the heart. It, it opens our eyes. It prepares us for this great reward because it endures forever and it, it trains us in righteousness so that we can 
know and, and follow God. And so special revelation, again, is, is the word of God, the, the revelation of God that he's given us. It's, it's this more personal revelation of God that, that he's given us. He's revealed himself to us through his word. And so if we ask then, well, how does God speak to us today? It's, it's really through the word, which, which also points us to his son. And so God speaks to us through the written word, the Bible. And, and we see this, and we're almost done here. We see this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And this is your, your memory verse, or at least verse 16 is your memory verse for this next time. 2 Timothy 3.16 is, is probably a verse that you, you all already know. I'll start reading in verse 14 here. It says, but as for you, speaking, Paul speaking to Timothy here, he says, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So Paul points Timothy to the, the sacred writings and, and what he's really pointing him to is scripture, which we see in verse 16. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so scripture these sacred writings, the, the writings of the prophets, the writings from the Old Testament, these have been breathed out by God. Some translations would, would have inspired by God. And the idea there is that, that God has, has really breathed them out. God, breathed out is probably the best translation. It, it's, it's, it's theopneustos. It's, it's literally just God breathed God breath and so so God has breathed out the scripture so that really what the scripture is 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 it's the word of God the scripture is is the word of God it comes from him and because it comes from him and because we know that he is true we can know that that scripture is true and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that more next time but scripture is, is breathed out by God. It sources God and it's, it's useful for us to teach us, to reprove us, to correct us, to train us in righteousness that we might be complete and equipped for every good work. It, the scripture is, is the, the way that God reveals himself to us so that we can come to know him and to know his son, Jesus Christ. And so when we're talking about inspiration, what we mean is that, that God superintended the human authors of the Bible so that they recorded without error his message to mankind in the words of the original writings. And so these men, these prophets, these these people who wrote the scripture, God oversaw that whole process so that what they wrote is exactly what he wanted, so that what they wrote was was really his message to mankind and it comes because it's God's word. It, it comes to us without error. And that's what we mean when we say the word inerrancy. You saw that in our, in our what we teach. Inerrancy of scripture means that the scripture in the original manuscripts does not affirm anything that is contrary to fact. 
So the scripture is true would be another way to say that the scripture is true. And, and it, we're talking about when we say that we're talking about the original manuscripts, but we, we pretty much have those original manuscripts. And so the copies and translations, we see them as being inspired to the extent that they reproduce the originals. And we're going to talk about how we kind of went from what was written by Paul or was written by Moses. And we're going to trace that through history so that we can see that, that really what we have for all intents and purposes is the original manuscripts of the scripture. And so we, we call that derived inspiration. Let me close here then because it's, it is about perfectly time to close here. This is a quote from MacArthur. I think this is, yeah, this is in, in your booklet on page 13. He says this, uh, he says, I hope you have an appreciation for scripture or for the scripture. I hope you have an appreciation for it because it is the greatest treasure apart from God himself that we have. It is his very word, his self-revelation. When people ask me why it is that I systematically teach through book after book, why it is that I pay so much attention to detail and to every verse and every phrase and touch all the words, I've got a typo there. Let me just go to it right here then. And it's not, it's not there. So it's got to be, I guess I put the wrong page number on. It's actually in the teacher guide, page 13. He's, it's on page, okay, it's on page seven in yours. Um, so when people ask me, why do I pay so much attention to detail to every verse and every phrase and touch all the words, I tell them it's because I understand them to be the words of God revealed to us from him. And I would not second guess the necessity of those words being then presented, taught, and understood by all of us. And so that's the way that, that we should kind of respond when we see that scripture is God's self-revelation. We should, we should see that, that every word is important because every word has been inspired by God. God is revealing himself to us through every word of scripture. And so that's kind of the, the beginning of, of lesson number one, the introduction to the Bible. And, and we're going to kind of come back and look in a little bit more detail about what is the Bible. We're going to look at inspiration and inerrancy and infallibility and some of those other things uh, when we come back next time. But yeah, thanks for being here. Um, again, next time when you come, bring your homework, fill in those blanks, um, get them to me. And as soon as I get the rest of the books, I will get them to you. But um, again, you've got some time before we get to um, to the, the next lesson anyways. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together. And uh, we just pray again that you would bless these FOF classes, that you would make them helpful, that that you would um, help us to, to learn about you, help us to learn from your word, uh, help us to, to, to grow in assurance of our salvation, equip us for the work of ministry, and help us to grow in our knowledge of you through this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.